join me this Saturday, August the 1st, with a conversation called How to Facilitate Cultural Conversations. It's totally online. You can go to Eventbrite and type in the search bar, How to Facilitate Cultural Conversations. Spend about an hour and a half with me from 1 p.m. to 2.30. Look forward to equipping you cross-culturally no matter where you find yourself. Check it out, eventbrite.com. Welcome to Culture Coach, a podcast with me, Nikki Lerner, helping you to engage in a proactive movement towards unity and understanding as it relates to culture and come from. Thanks for joining me today. You ready to go? Let's get started. Hey, thanks again so much for listening. You know, I wanted to create a space each week where you and I can learn about different cultures and come from's in a safe, non-threatening, non-embarrassing environment. I hope you enjoy this podcast. For more creative resources and ideas, you can engage with me at NikkiLearner.com. Thank you for joining me again this week for the Culture Coach Podcast. I am just so stoked to be able to communicate with you all each week. Thanks for listening in. Tell your friends. Don't forget about that. Uh, Tell your friends if it's helping you out. Um, Tell your friends. Shoot me an email at NikkiLearner.com. Let me know how this is helping you out. Uh, This week, I'm really excited to share this conversation that I had with a good friend of mine, uh, Samuel Chestnut from Ireland. I know you're probably like, why are we talking to somebody from Ireland, um, given all the cultural issues that we're having here? Well, uh, many of you know that uh, Ireland itself has quite a uh, a history, particularly around uh, culture as it relates to religious practice or religious affiliation. And um, I had this conversation with Samuel and I just thought it was so interesting because there were so many similarities uh, to how uh, the, the history in Ireland Uh, has impacted how they uh, interact with one another today. And so I just thought it was really cool to uh, listen to a conversation around religious diversity um, from a completely different uh, country uh, than here if you listen in in, uh, in America. For those of you that do not have a religious affiliation or um, anything like that, just know you won't get lost in this conversation. Um, It is uh, totally palatable and applicable um, in our conversations on culture. And remember, Saturday, August 1st, 1 o'clock, eventbrite.com, how to facilitate uh, cultural conversations with me. I'll see you then. I am delighted to have you on the Culture Coach Podcast. Yay! Like, delighted. Um, Highlight of my day, for sure, um, in talking to you. So, Samuel (laughs) Chestnut from Ireland, will you just introduce yourself? to our listeners. Who are you? What do you do? And I don't know, something funny. <laughs> something funny. You expect an Irishman to do something funny just on the hoof. <laughs> right, so Hello, like- listeners. <laughs> Hi, listeners. My name is Samuel Chestnut. I'm from, I'm from Ireland, but I'm also from Northern Ireland, which is the north part of the island, which is still part of the United Kingdom. So technically, I have dual citizenship, dual cultureship, British and Irish. Um, I love where I live. Um, I run a travel company that tries to get Americans from your place yonder over to Ireland and to tell you nice stories because I know Americans just want to 
find out about leprechauns and Guinness stew and fairies, and I'm happy to show you around. And I talk about Jesus as I do that because I'm a Jesus follower as well. Yes, that's awesome. So, Sammy, I wanted to talk to you today, um, really just to take a, a hard shift from uh, where the Culture Coach podcast has been so far, okay. and really wanted to start to get um, a perspective about culture, um, about identity, about um, even multicultural work, life, ministry, um, from someone that was not in the United States. <laughs> Um, but to see, you know, how, what, what does, what does a multicultural uh, life, a multicultural workplace, you know, as you're leading your travel company, um, and then like a multicultural church, even, what does that look like in Ireland? Goodness. <laughs> I know they're like really deep. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> nice little on-ramp there. I know, right? Deep end. Um, yeah, right in. Well, that, that's that, that that's a hard question to answer in an Irish context because it depends where you are. If you were speaking to me in Dublin, which is one of the most multi multicultural cities in Europe, that would be an easy answer. There are l lots of different ethnic diversities in Dublin, but when you go rural to the west of Ireland and at a certain parts of the north, you'll not find a black person. You'll not find a Chinese person. You'll not find it's just white either white Catholic or white Protestant split into their two wee sections, two wee areas. Mm -hmm. So the diversity is great in the urban context, certainly in more so Dublin, less so Belfast, but in the rural context, their diversity would be, would, would, would be, would be a challenge. Like my wife, who's an American from Minneapolis, um, she would sometimes just shake her head. Like because our little town is a fishing village, when somebody new walks into town, they're noticed. And I don't know whether it's <laughs> my default, my, my default reaction is, I want to go and say hello. I want to hug them. Welcome. Where, where about you from? You're from the Philippines or where, where are you from? So I was like, don't assume that they're from the Philippines. They could be here all their lives. I, no, they're definitely not here all their lives. Right. We're a small little village. Yeah. The diversity is, and certainly in an Irish context, is not, is, it's a bit of a challenge. Yeah. One of the things that um, I learned, I learned so much when I was with you uh, in pa this past June uh, in Ireland. Thank you for that, by the way. What a glorious experience. Um, it was like a, I don't know, I felt like I was living some sort of dream that I was actually in Ireland. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know you live there, so it's just like, ah, it's just home. But like for me, um, you know, it's just such a dream to be in Ireland. It is just as beautiful as uh, anybody thinks it is. <laughs> if you haven't been there yet, it's beautiful. I thought the people were just delightful, at least the ones I ran into, were um, <laughs> just delightful. And what I learned um, was how strong the religious diversity um, mm. is and how, just like here in the United States where we have problems along racial ethnic lines that the history for the Irish people and even now that it, my assumption is the, one of the biggest divides is this religious divide hmm. would, would you say that that the religious divide in in Ireland might be as strong as maybe even what we 
experience Ooh. here in the United States? In, good question. Certainly in the North, the religious divide um, would probably be as strong as the racial divide in America. Um, the, with the added, the added yuckiness that there is, there's bombs and bullets involved in our history. So over the religious divide, there was, there was death, there was bloodshed on both sides, back and forward. Mm -hmm. um, certainly in, in the South, they, they would look to the North and think, what are those boys doing up there? What is, why can you not get on? And I think the, the, the outside world's perception of the Northern Irish religious divide was that it was about religion. And certainly in the surface, that would seem to be the case. But, but when you peel back and you get a bit lower, it's more to do with geography. It's more to do with politics uh, mm. over a little bit of realism. The fact that I'm standing talking to you here with the English language, like my culture, my identity is in part from where I have been upstream. So I could stand here and say, je m'appelle Cranfield. Um, because I come from French Huguenot descent. So they came in the 1500s up into Scotland, down into Ireland. I could answer you like that. Or I could say, I could speak to you in Irish. Uh, but I'm speaking to you in English because there was a point in my history when in the 1600s, the English crown sent across people to plant the Protestants into Ireland to dominate that culture, to wipe out the Irish culture, to make sure that they were established, to protect their back door. Because if you, if you were a king in England, your back door was Ireland. So whoever held Ireland held the back door into England. So they went across and planted them, summarizing really simply here, but they planted the English and Scottish Protestant settlers into Ireland, mainly Catholic Ireland, to secure a Protestant religious stronghold to bolster up the English Protestant crown. And 400 years later, I'm a, I'm a result of that. So I, I, my answers came across from France up to Scotland and Scotland into Ireland as part of the plantations. And I understand why those who would claim the, the Catholic nationalist Celtic origin would say, you came across into our land and you took it. I'm saying, mm, I know you, we did, but I'm here now. Do you, what, what, what do you want me to do? Should I leave? Or <laughs> I, I'm here now. 400 years have passed. And we have, a, we have to work out how to live together and how to share this beautiful piece of real estate together and actually affirm both sides of our culture that we now have and how can we do that with it while not seeing the other as a threat um, to to celebrate and appreciate the other. That has not been easy. Um, well, there's been many mistakes at, at many, many levels. Um, does that answer your question? Yes. Wow. So, so what, I, what I heard from you, which is a new thought for me, a learning, is how, uh, how religion and politics, uh, when they get tied together hmm. uh, are extremely dangerous. They can be, yeah. And I, I think, yeah, the, the, the Protestant side, one of their slogans was for God and Ulster. Ooh. 
you know, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting my, I'm fighting to defend my faith and I'm fighting to defend my land and God's on my side. But if you look back at the historical documentation of the other side, they would say, well, God's on our side. So okay. you're invoking God on both sides. Um, and to, to me, that's just not, that's not been helpful, you know. Um, and there, there has to be a, as I've been reflecting on this in preparation for this, like, like, what do you do with that? There has been bloodshed. There's hardly any family in the north of Ireland that has not been impacted by a bomb or a bullet. Somebody knows somebody who at some point in the past 20, 30 years has been, has been killed. And those wounds run deep. Um, so what, what do you do to try and navigate through that? And especially what do you do? If, you're, if you take following Christ seriously, what do you do with that? Like I was born into a white Protestant middle-class reformed evangelical culture. That's the culture I inherited. And I never, I never questioned it because you, you don't question your own, what you, what you inherit. But I had parents who, who were very wise in how they raised us. Um, so they took, they took the, they affirmed what was good in our tribe and our culture and would have shepherded us away from the aspects of our tribe that were not healthy. Mm. Um, now I look at that now and what I, the way I f- verbalize it is the word arrow, A-R-R-O-W. Mm-hmm. I have to look at my own tribe, which is the Protestant evangelical culture, which in, in, in the past was the the leadership was the supreme was the was the it had the ascendancy it had the control over the minority catholic sorry the majority catholics you had a majority in them that's the culture that i've received so when i look at that what what are the aspects of my culture that i can affirm as good what bits are good there's a strong work ethic in the protestant culture there's a strong let's get this done um Let's work together. Let, let's pull our resources. I, I, I affirm that as good, but our, what, what needs to be redeemed? What can be redeemed? You know, what aspects are broken but need to be redeemed? What aspects are wrong and need to be called out as wrong and walked away from? Mm. And then, oh, in obedience to Jesus, I have to do the first three, but do it in a, humble winsome a winsome way so arrow affirm what is good redeem what is broken remove what is wrong and in obedience to jesus do it in a winsome gentle humble way and what what's that look like for me um like we we chose to, to send our children to what would be perceived to be the other side's schooling system so we sent our children to an irish speaking school um where the language is totally, they're, they're immersed in Irish and, and they learn. So they, they're bilingual and don't realize it. Now we have, we have had, it's been a hard journey to walk for us, but my wife and I, Sarah and I have decided that if, if we take our faith seriously, um, our mission, our mission ground is, is not out in Africa or out in other parts of the world. It's, it's our, it's our doorstep. And there's a community where I live next door to that. I had hardly ever interacted with in all my life because of the religious divide. So we said, well, are we brave enough to step over that divide and actually create a counterculture, a new culture, uh, 
a, a foundationally Jesus culture, which actually takes the good of both Catholic and Protestant, nationalist and British, and joins them together. And that can be done. It definitely can be done if there's courage on both parts to walk that path. And what that's meant for me, if there's any Northern Irish listeners listening to this, um, they probably would be annoyed with me, but it was only until about, I would say, four or five years ago when we started our travel company, I actually sat down and read Irish history. I never actually read it before. I, I had understood it from a British perspective in school, in a Protestant school growing up. I had never thought that there was another angle like, is there another angle? Right. Well, there's the Irish angle. Um, and I'd never read it before. So I, I read through the, the history and at the end just felt this conviction and a real sense of, do you know what? I actually cried when I finished the book. And I thought, my tribe did not treat the Irish tribe well. Mm. In fact, there were many occasions where they really were just out of order, savage, and were wronged. Mm -hmm. And I had to own the fact that my forefathers were part of that. And I felt profoundly uncomfortable mm. because I had to own that and take response in some way, take responsibility, even though I wasn't there. So uh, the way that worked out for me, I was in a shop in Dublin and it was a bookshop that sold <clears throat> sort of the, the other the Irish nationalist literature and stuff, and it was very anti-British and very anti north you know, the Protestants in the North. And I I'm gonna go in here and because I like collecting Irish books. So I went in and collected it and I saw all the usual propaganda against the British, etc. Um, and I started having an understanding of where they were coming from. So the manager was there and he was not hiding the fact that he was a nationalist and was anti-British. And I said to him, Listen, this may sound absolutely bizarre to you, but um, I just want to say to you something that um, I need to get off my chest. Um, I'm from the North. I'm a Protestant. I come from a unionist background and I've only really recently discovered my history and my tribe did not treat your tribe well. My forefathers were in many cases wrong and I want to say for what it's worth, I'm sorry and ask you for your forgiveness. Now, he, just, he sort of stumbled over his words and said, oh, you don't need to do that. I said, no, I think I do. And I think collectively as a culture, I hope there's a point whenever we in the North can actually do that. Because unless that, that's back to that passage in Ephesians 2, you know, part of reconciliation is owning your, your part of the mm. problem. Now, now, see, you, you are touching on something in the way that you explain this that is very similar mm -hmm. in our cultures okay um and i know before you know we we're i know you're kind of saying like help me understand you know what's going on okay in the united states what everything you're saying is is very similar okay so the thing that you did in the bookshop mm -hmm. right and even the thing that you did prior by making a choice to own your own history and comfort. Mm -hmm. And then once you had the, the courage and the bravery to own it, then said, so now what, right? Like, how does this realization then turn into my next action, mm. right? 
And then when you're in the bookshop, you were compelled to move towards a different culture and, and cultures that have been very much at war with each other to say, will you forgive me? This is what has not happened in the United States. Yeah, and it's, you know, and there is, there's always great reward when you are obedient to Jesus. And that passage in Ephesians 2, mm-hmm. when we're reconciled to God, there is blessing in that. And when you're reconciled to each other, Yes. There's blessing in that. And so I, 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 would, I would really encourage the American church, the pockets that are doing that, press on because there's great delight in, in, in that process. And this and is part of the frustration okay. I think between and why, probably why, some of why our churches in America remain racially segregated. Okay. Is because some of this work that you're talking about um, has not happened. Um, a, a uh, national repentance, hmm. uh, apology uh, in general for how this country was established. The violence, the racism, the, um, the trauma that was caused particularly to non-white people. Um, first to our indigenous people. Yeah whole nother podcast um but first to them and then to those that were were brought here after that um there's never been that and the big c church as a whole and i think i don't know how, how it is in ireland but i think in america you know it doesn't always feel collective you know it doesn't feel like one mm. we have pockets of thing of people right pockets of people have been very vocal about what needs to happen. Um, but as a whole, there has not been a, um, a collective repentance. Collective repentance, yeah. I believe that there are some people, um, there are a lot, a lot of Christian people who, do not, who, who firmly believe that there is nothing to apologize for because they would say, well, that wasn't me right but i think and they're right right they're right however they're missing the opportunity of the power of the recognition of your history Mm. looking at someone who's in front of you now and saying you know i don't even understand my history right i don't even know what that was but i'm looking at you and just saying and here and then i i'm so sorry for what you've experienced at the hands of people that look like me. And I look forward to us walking and working together to make things better. Yeah. There's a, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people that do want to do that and have, but there are just as many people, particularly who would claim that they are Christians that want no part of that. Yeah. I think another thing that is that has helped me personally, and I, I'm not talking on behalf of my people or my country. I'm just ex- you don't telling speak you. For all my, Irish people, Samuel. I do not speak for all Irish people. No, I do not. <laughs> I just Why speak for my. This podcast. <laughs> I just speak for my, myself and my own experience. But another thing that has helped me is to lift my eyes up and beyond 
the current struggle. Yeah. So I believe passionately, like, like what's promised to us as believers in Revelation, especially five, nine to 10, mm-hmm. is, is, is a factual, physical, earthly, gutsy thing that's going to happen. The fact that the writer went to the trouble to actually mention Tri, which is a person's clan and family lineage. Mm-hmm. People is their race. And nation is those who share a national identity and culture. The fact that those three words are mentioned, a tribe, a people, and a nation, every single one of those ancient that have also been forgotten about and the current ones will be redeemed and gathered before the Lord and given to Jesus and will take the redeemed good of each tribe national identity and race and then use that as an offering to jesus talks about it and we're going to be constantly offering up the parts of our culture that are redeemed and good as part of an act of worship to him mm-hmm. so th- there is there is ahead of us a reality where nationalist irish and royalist british mm-hmm. white american black american mm-hmm. all the divides in history will be in a space where they will not fear and resent one another, but actually endorse, celebrate, and encourage one another right. as, a, as part of the Jesus culture that's coming. And so my, my call to fellow believers is don't wait until then. At least try and rehearse it now in a, in a broken way, yes, in the here and now, because that's a taster of what's to come. And that helps me personally rise above. There are aspects of the of the other culture that that do annoy me but i i knowing what's ahead and their value as a human being and who they can be in christ helps me lay that to the side and that's that's been a challenge but i hope Mm. oh it's so good (laughs) so good you've said so many and can i can i join one more thing there's a, a quote from a guy He's a real cool dude. Richard Moo says this. He talks about um, if, if we're made in the image of God, there's no one human person or no one people group that has the entire image of God in them. Yes. We, we collectively, collectively, we hold that together. He, here's the quote. There is, no, there is no one human individual or group who can fully bear or manifest all that is involved in the image of God. So that there is a, in a sense in which there is a sense in which that image is collectively possessed. The image of God is, as it were, parcelled out among the peoples of the earth. By looking at different individuals and groups and races, we get glimpses of different aspects of the full image of God. And if you're not prepared to to acknowledge the good in another people group or a race, well, then you're actually indirectly insulting the image of God because we need to acknowledge that in the other people group. Hey, thanks so much for making the time to listen. If you like the insight today, tell your friends and be part of the newsletter at NikkiLearner.com. Remember, it takes that first decision to realize your vision for a more generous, multicultural life. I'll see you next week.